This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Hello, everyone. Welcome to College Football Coast to Coast. Jacob and Tyler back again. We are recapping week seven and getting into week eight of some college football towards the end of our season here. Uh, Getting towards the end of our season. So we're going to recap what happened during a crazy week seven. It feels like we keep talking about how crazy the weeks are getting week after this week. This was a Tyler. crazy one, though. I mean, what a slate of games we had this week. And I said it in our tweet leading up to our show. I mean, of course, like, you know, you have 2007 that wacky year. But I feel like so far, like, this season has just been a lot of parody so far. Yeah, I, I would say 20 – or two, yeah, 2007, 2019, and this year – I've kind of been the three years of craziness um, and differences uh, over the last 15 years, which is crazy to think about that. Uh, but getting into our week seven, we're going to start usually normally where we start uh, with the ACC. And we'll get right into that with the first one being number four. Clemson went on the road to Tallahassee to face off against the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, Clemson holds on late with a six point win. Florida State scores late, but not enough time uh, to get another quick score left. And Clemson essentially ran the clock out. Uh, Tyler, is this some sort of uh, – did you think this was some sort of trap game, first of all, for Clemson? And second of all, was this a big stepping stone for them to stake their claim in the top four? Uh, or is this kind of just another game? Yeah, I did see this as a trap game, especially uh, with a top 14 matchup coming up this weekend at, at home. But this was a road trip. I mean, Clemson really hasn't got tested uh, all at a close game. And their, and their first game in Atlanta against Georgia Tech, uh, it was close for about a half uh, before Clemson uh, pulled away. And then they really, after that, you know, they had, they beat Wake Forest in overtime. They really handled their business last week in, against NC State. So, you know, Florida State, I, I did have them on upset alert going into this game. Uh, I just thought that Jordan Travis, the way that he was playing, was key. 
And it's going, I mean, he had two touchdowns, uh, but DJU had a phenomenal game. He had three touchdowns. Uh, he just put away all the – really all the negativity that was surrounding him last season of, you know, Clemson being a two-loss team. Looks like this is just a completely different football team. You know, like you mentioned, the score was, was close at the end, but, I mean, Clemson was able to really dominate them in the third quarter. I know that Florida State was able to score late to really put this one uh, out of reach. Uh, State, but you got to really be impressed uh, with Clemson. Obviously, they'll have a big game at home against a top 14 team uh, in Syracuse that has uh, just good as offense as they do. But it's it's looking more and more likely that Clemson is pretty much a lock to make the playoff at this rate. Yeah, I know we kind of had some craziness shake up, you know, in our our picks for the top four uh, yesterday. But you know, I, I don't think either of us included Clemson in that top four. My you did. You did. Okay. I, I didn't include, that at number three. Yeah. I didn't include Clemson in the top four. Uh, I just think the ACC is very uncertain. Uh, kind of like the big 10. I think they're both very uncertain. So, uh, but no, I think this is a, a good win for Clemson. I can't say it's a big win. Uh, it's just another stepping stone, I think for their program. And I feel like it's hard to get Clemson motivated. You know, when you're playing games against teams that aren't really big, uh, until you get to next week here, you're going to have to play a Syracuse team that's on the rise. But it just seems like it would be hard to keep your guys motivated week to week in a program like that. Uh, but I guess Dabo's doing a decent job doing that, and they're undefeated as a result. Uh, moving on from this game here, we're going to get into our next game, which is in the Big 12, and that is number eight, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys faced off against TCU in Fort Worth. Uh, interesting game all the way down to the end, double overtime game. Uh, I think the strangest part about this game was the fact that Oklahoma State was up pretty big uh, for, for a long time, and TCU battled back. I think they were down 30-17 to 17 at the time, and they battled all the way back, took it to overtime, had a chance to win it, in regulation, uh, just kind of wasn't enough time left. Timeouts were a situation there. Uh, but do you see this as a big win for TCU or a bad loss for Oklahoma State? I think it's a big win more for TCU. I, I said last week uh, on the show that whoever won this game is going to be in the driver's seat uh, to make it to Arlington. Now, granted that TCU still has to play uh, number 17, Kansas State, at home, and then they have to go on the road to Austin uh, in November to play Texas. So, they still have tough games. I mean, TCU has a tough resume. I and mean, if they go undefeated, I could, I mean, I could definitely see them uh, in the top four. Uh, but yeah, Oklahoma State, like you mentioned, they were up thirty to sixteen, and they were looking like the Oklahoma State of old. But as always, you know, Oklahoma State pulled no Oklahoma State. I mean, they get a big lead and then they ultimately blow it. Uh, but you got to give it to TCU's uh, quarterback Max Duggan. I know we had our new segment. He got that dog in him. Well, he has. That as well. Uh, so I think, you know, TCU, this was obviously a high scoring shootout. I think all, every college football fan in the country saw this one. I'm sure that a lot of people took for, I don't, I actually probably hit it with Fit, both Fit being 83. I think it was like 68, 69 uh, going into uh, Saturday's game. But very so with TCU, uh, just the grit and the adversity that they really showed, you know, being down by 14, they never gave up. And then in overtime, you know, Oklahoma State hits that field goal and then TCU just says, all right, 
I'm going to go ahead and score on you and put this game away. And that's exactly what they did. So, you know, TCU is a team, you know, wasn't even ranked, wasn't even thought about, you know, competing for a Big 12 championship. And look where they're at now. They're ranked number eight. They have everything in front of them. If they went out, they could, you know, be the torch that the Big 12. So if you're a Big 12 fan in general, I feel like TCU is pretty much like the only hope. I could still see Oklahoma State uh, getting in, even with one loss. They still have some top 25 teams left on their schedule, but a really huge and critical win for TCU, especially if they want postseason, especially to get to the playoff. Yeah, I think it's it's big for them. Uh, I know we both included them inside of our top four. I think you had them at four. I had them at three, you know, based on what the end of the season is going to look like. Uh, but moving – from the Big 12 to the Big 10. Uh, interesting game in the Big 10 here that we're recapping. Uh, Minnesota went on the road to face the fighting Illini uh, of Illinois. And Illinois ranked 24. We talked to quite a bit about them last week uh, going into this matchup, and I said this would be a big game for them. They win this game. It puts them in the driver's seat in the West. Uh, and sure enough, they did win uh, a pretty good win against a good football team uh, in Minnesota seem like they're starting to slowly fall apart uh, week to week. And P.J. Fleck and Tanner Morgan, I don't know if they're seeing eye to eye on the same page. Running game seems to be obsolete. And uh, it it looks like they need to go back to uh, the drawing board in Minnesota. So a strong start, big, high-scoring games. And now only putting 14 points up against Illinois. I get it, but Illinois, I believe, top 10 in the country in defense uh, this season, which is impressive. Uh, and offensively, they have what it takes to win football games, and, and that's what it all is, is, is grinding it out, and that's Big Ten football. Uh, so big for them, and, and uh, they did move up a little bit based on, on their win. So uh, it uh, it's good for them. Uh, Tyler, for you, you know, Illinois hasn't seen the light of day in a very long time, you know, is this something that we could see for a couple of years to come now, now that Brett Bielema has kind of uh, integrated what he wants there coming from Wisconsin? And uh, are, are they a team that can hang around? Yeah, I think they definitely have uh, the head coach that they've been wanting. You know, Brett Bielema did a good job of Wisconsin. You know, they were a nine-win, ten-win program. They're very consistent. And then he went down to Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas, you know, wasn't the greatest football team, uh, you know, in his, his last couple of years, they were last in the SEC, barely got like one win or, or zero wins. But I think, you know, he has this Illinois program going in the right direction. Just going low this game. We saw Tommy DeVito uh, return as starting quarterback. Uh, he did a pretty good job, really consistent, had one touchdown over 200 yards, but the man of the hour is Chase Brown. He had 41 carries on 180 yards. And then on the flip side, you look at Tanner Morgan's stat and it's awful. Four for 12, 21 yards, and a pick. I mean, Ibrahim is pretty much the Minnesota offense. Uh, I think it was just the first couple of weeks were fluky for this Minnesota team. They're ranked, like, first in offense and first in defense. And now that they actually face someone with a pulse, they're getting exposed now. So, I mean, Illinois' defense is playing uh, really good. They've held majority of their opponents to the 20 points or, or under. So, I think that Illinois, the way that the Big Ten – uh, is looking right now they they're got to be the favorite uh, especially after this big win over minnesota uh at home see uh illinois still got everything in front of them still got iowa and, and wisconsin but i think uh, that illinois we could see them in, uh, in the big 10 championship game to face off probably between ohio state and michigan 
Yeah, and I think the rest of Illinois' schedule is something to look out for. Um, I don't have it on me. I can pull it up. Right now. Uh, but Illinois, you know, the way the rest of the season can no. shape up will really – We can really... go through it right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, the 29th – so, I actually buy this week. So, before – they go on the road to Nebraska. So, I think that they get the job done. I just think that, you know, we saw Nebraska play Purdue well. I think they get the job done at home. Michigan State, I think that they can win that as well. Michigan State looks like a completely different football team than we saw last year, kind of Walker in the backfield. They just don't have that that leadership in the backfield to get it done. And you have Purdue at home. I think they can win that as well. I think that Purdue is start, you know, has been an up and down football team. I think that Illinois uh, defense. I think whoever wins that game will probably move on to. To, to win the Big Ten West. Uh, and then you have uh, at Michigan. I don't think that they can win that game. I think that their running game and offensive line can match up against Michigan's. Uh, but if they can't stop, you know, Blake Corum, the one-two punch, uh, we saw, you know, what Penn State did. I mean, their defensive line got exposed. So I think that's probably a loss. And Northwest Island Road uh, is a win. So I could see this team going 10-2, and two, which is crazy. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, a ten and two team in the Big Ten, uh, and who knows? Ball, they, yeah, it, it it really is uh, impressive to see what they've done so far this season and what has yet to come. I think it's big. I was wondering if they were playing Ohio State or Michigan. They either play one of the two normally, uh, but you know, playing Michigan—that's a tall test in. It not being in Illinois hurts pretty bad. I mean, I think if it's in Illinois, I think Illinois has some sort of a chance, a fighting chance, uh, if Michigan doesn't show up. But I think it being in Ann Arbor, it presents problems. Um, But it's two good defenses going at it. So I don't expect it to be a very high-scoring game. Uh, I don't think any of Illinois' games really haven't been very high scoring. The most points that have been scored in a game are 38 points, and that was the opening game of the season against uh, Wyoming, you know, where they held them to six. So, I mean, it seems like Illinois is the best bet for the Big Ten West, you know, for the next this year and next year uh, until you have some transition come over. Um, so they're trying to make the most of their opportunity now, and, and they're doing a great job doing that. Uh but enough with that. Moving on from the Big Ten, we'll go out west of the Pac-12. Uh, USC, man, they went over to Utah to face number 20 Utah. Utah still staying in the top 25, even though they had a couple of tough losses. Uh, this game here, you know, you and I talked about how sneaky this game was. And, you know, this was really the make-or-break moment for USC. Uh, and it came down to the very last drive for Utah I mean, Utah is 11-0 in blackout games. Uh, I Late in the game, you have to trust your quarterback. Uh, biggest play I've, I saw all weekend. That was crazy to see uh, them go for the win. I mean, Utah scores a touchdown late uh, with, you know, basically a minute to go in the game, and uh, they're down 42-41 and decide to go for two and go for the win. And uh, – they went for it, and I said to myself, I said, oh, my God. I said, I said, they're in the shotgun formation, you know, going for two on the three-yard line. I was like, this is really weird. And uh, sure enough, it was a clear out, and Cam Rising was able to scramble out and get it 
and uh, they ended up winning the game 43-42. But I think the game ball there at the end of the game goes to Utah's defense crazy enough. I know there was 85 points scored in this game, but I think their defense is big. Uh, the biggest play in the game was made by a safety who was a walk-on uh, you know, the previous season. So it, it was very impressive to see what Utah did there on the road. And USC, a lot of questions, a lot of question marks moving later in this next few weeks. Yeah, they are pretty much like the Oklahoma, the Pac-12. They have the offense, but don't have the defense uh, to win it all uh, this year. And uh, Utah proved that that why that they were a preseason top ten team. I mean, the the defenses were not pretty at all, and the offenses were taken off. Like you mentioned, Cam Risen had a game. He had four fifteen yards passing, uh, two touchdowns coming on uh, through the air, and then three of them on the ground, including the one that you were just talking about, that two point conversion. I think that was the right call. If you're Utah, I mean, you already have two losses on the season. You really have nothing to lose at this rate. Go for the win, and that's exactly what – this is why I like uh, Whittingham, the head coach. He's one of my favorite coaches out there uh, in Utah. It, it was a very emotional game. Uh, they were wearing the helmets uh, of two of their fallen uh, teammates. They got tragically killed uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but, man, this is why uh, we were high on Utah, and we shouldn't uh, – I know that – I believe you picked uh, Utah – uh, to upset them. I went with USC. I just felt like they were rolling, uh, especially with their offense. Uh, but I'm concerned with Utah's and USC's defense, and that was the case. Uh, but, yeah, this definitely uh, is question. I don't think well makes the playoff unless, like, a Oregon or a uh, UCLA really run the table. So I think that this weekend's game and uh, Eugene will pretty much decide, you know, who who's going to make uh, the playoff at the Pac-12 because if you can't really have – I think I still do it. Uh, but they would have to to beat UCLA and, and pretty much win out and then beat whoever gets into back to championships. It could be this Utah team, even with two losses. Yeah. And it makes it very interesting. I mean, no game is, uh, you know, safe for USC now anymore. People know that they can be beat now within the conference. Uh, things are going to happen. UCLA is riding high. I mean, I've been high on UCLA uh, these last couple of weeks. So, I mean, I think this is, uh, the time for the Pac-12 to really shine. Um, I know a lot of off-season talk about how the Pac-12 is falling apart. Things are you know, going sideways. Uh, but the Pac-12 looks great right now. They look fantastic. I'd say they're probably the best up-and-coming conference right now. Besides the next conference we're talking about, which is the SEC. Uh, big game in the SEC here. Crazy game back and forth. A lot of storylines. Before this game, during this game, and after this game, uh, you know, the storyline to open the game was, is Bryce Young going to play this football game? Uh, you know, I know we talked about that. And a lot of people have been talking about that. You know, is Bryce Young healthy enough to play this football game? Uh, he ultimately did play uh, this game. He looked like he was uncomfortable. I don't know what it was. I just I was watching him throw the football, and he just looked uncomfortable. Uh, and it just even backed up in Tennessee's own end, not comfortable in that situation. I know he is a big confidence guy. Uh, you know, even after a bad play, he's you know right there with his guys say, Hey, we can bounce back from that. Uh, but you know, I, I think it says more about Tennessee and that program that's on the rise. Uh, and yes, uh, Saban's meltdown on the <laughs> sideline. It, it's been building up for the last couple of weeks, I think, because I've been watching, you know, they cut the Saban pretty often 
when there's a bad play because they think they're we're gonna see a meltdown. And he's been he's stayed pretty even keel throughout until he came unglued, and, and that that was kind of the frustration I think of three or four weeks built up. And uh, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think uh, I think anybody would have been pretty ticked off in that moment. Uh, but for Saban, it's a reoccurring theme. I think he's uh, seen some people to calm himself down, uh, but he, uh, I guess it, it had just built up so much. It, it was boiling over. Uh, yeah. but, but for you, Tyler, you know, is this make Hendon Hooker an obvious choice to warm a chair for the Heisman Trophy? And, you know, is Alabama a team that can be beat again and can Alabama be a two-loss team this year? I think he can be more than just warm of the chair. I think he can be the guy holding up the trophy at the end of the season. I mean, I know that C.J. Stroud's getting all the high, but if you can throw five touchdowns and close to 400 yards against Alabama and really make a difference uh, from year in and year out, I mean, this Tennessee team, what, was like seven and five last season now, they're in the conversation. You know, they're the – top three team in the country arguably could be the number one team with you know the teams that they beat on their schedule but man this was obviously no doubt about it the game of the year so I absolutely enjoyed every moment of it I mean this was just a back and forth shootout I mean at the beginning of it it was looking like a Tennessee route Tennessee was up 28 to 10 okay is Tennessee just gonna blow the doors out of Alabama and expose you know the close calls that Bama has had against A&M uh, in Texas, uh, but man, Jalen Hyatt deserves the game ball for this. I mean, it seems like every throw went to him. He had five touchdowns over 200 yards, but my gosh, I thought that Tennessee was just dead in the water after, you know, Alabama comes back, ties it up, but Tennessee, you know, just keeps on rolling. So it's like touchdown and touchdown. And then really the swing was, you know, Hinden Hooker fumbled the ball on a missed snap and uh, picks it up and goes up 49 to 42 and if you're a Tennessee fan you're like oh gosh here we go again we're gonna lose to them like for the 16th 17th year in a row and then Tennessee does it again finds Jalen Hyatt in the end zone 49 49 and then uh Tennessee's defense uh you know is on their heel on for like a minute left and then Alabama their kicking woes continue they miss uh I believe it's like a 45 field goal goes wide right, and Tennessee gets, like, I believe it was, like, 20 seconds left on the clock. 14 seconds. Yeah, they drive down the field, an amazing catch by Brew McCoy to set up a 40-yard field goal. And it wasn't the prettiest of field goals. It got tipped, but I don't think that Tennessee fans really care as long as it went in, whether wobbly or not. And just the scene after is something to hold. Fans storm on the field. They're playing Dixon and Delight to the tr- Alabama and then they bring the goalposts uh, to the Tennessee River and then now they're asking uh, for their fans and donors uh, we'll talk about that in our news segment there but this was just the game of the year and I cannot wait until Tennessee plays Georgia because th- that might top this game but it's going to be hard but going back to your point I do think that Alabama uh, is not the Alabama that we're seeing their defense is not that great especially their defensive backs I feel like every every play they're like turning around oh he's gone so it's like not the Alabama defense has been lifeless all season so if you would give me the next team to potentially beat them it had to be Ole Miss and Oxford 
I think that, you know, LSU could potentially give them a troubles, especially if Jaden Daniels can continue to play like he is. Probably not likely, uh, but I have to go uh, with Ole Miss. I think that Ole Miss uh, could give them trouble, especially with their running game. Yeah, and I was high on Ole Miss to begin the season. I thought they were my team to really uh, be the dark horse of, of the conference. Uh, and Tennessee has proven to be the team to absolutely – take the podium right now and uh you know you've got georgia still left on the schedule i think if you win there you are you are the number one team team. for sure there's no question about it um i think they should be the number one team now i just feel like their resume is better than what georgia has done i don't think georgia has done much of anything this season other than their win to open the year against oregon i mean really haven't had any problems with anybody i mean other than almost losing to Missouri, uh, you know. And, and, and Kent State great. as well. Yeah, I know. And that's that's the part that I'm wondering. It could be a Tennessee blowout. Uh, and that's the crazy thing to think about. Um, but I know it is in Athens, so it's going to be a, a different kind of environment. Uh, Tennessee being at home was massive in this game. I think it goes the other way. If it's in Tuscaloosa, I mean, I, I honestly think Alabama probably wins this game at home, uh, but impressive win. Um, basically, SEC powerhouses going down uh, against Tennessee. So Tennessee is is doing great right now. Uh, of course, we'll get more to our news segment. Uh, but moving on from the group, the Power Five, I'm sorry, going to the group of five, uh, our biggest group of five game was the Stanford upset in South Bend against Notre Dame. We say it's an upset, yeah, because Stanford hasn't done much of anything against Notre Dame for a long, long, long time. Uh, but Stanford pulls it out thanks to the running game. Uh, Notre Dame only put up 14 points against Stanford is sad. Um, that's abysmal, actually. And I think Notre Dame, I, I've said it again, I mean, 500 football team at, at, at its best. And I think uh, – that's all she wrote for their season after this loss. I mean, you could have bounced back with a win here against Stanford. You know, you picked up a win last week. You pick up this win, two in a row, then you're, and then you're moving. But losing to Stanford at home is terrible. Uh, you've got one of the best environments, hardest places to play in the country, and you can't get a win. Um, Stanford, I mean, they're other than their quarterback, their quarterback looks really good. He, I, I feel like he is – going to be that guy who, you know, we see these guys who aren't great college quarterbacks who end up becoming really good NFL quarterbacks. He kind of has that NFL kind of look to him, and I feel like that can be the case there. Uh, but, you know, for Stanford, their season is basically over. And for Notre Dame, their season is is over as well, I think, after this one. Yeah, I just don't know how Notre Dame was ever a uh, top six team uh, in the country to begin with. They're overrated. Uh, I mean, we gave credit to them for the their two uh, wins. You know, we were saying, oh, Notre Dame, you know, two good wins against North Carolina. Uh, and then who else did they play? Let me look at their schedule. They played BYU. That's right. Uh, in Vegas. Uh, and then they just lay an egg uh, at home. I mean, this was just a very sloppy game. I mean, Drew Pond didn't have his best game, only 151 yards and a touchdown on the other side. Uh, Stanford's running back uh, really cruised, looking like Christian out there in the backfield, 91 yards and a touchdown. So 
this was just a very sloppy game, a very defensive battle. Uh, too many mistakes, too many turnovers uh, for Notre Dame to, to really get back uh, into this one. I mean, they had their chances. They just didn't really convert. And like you mentioned, Stanford is a very bad football team. They were winning one and four coming into this game. Uh, David Charles probably on the hot seat, probably going to be the next program uh, to get rid of their head coach, I would have to assume. Uh, but if you're a Notre Dame uh, fan, I mean, this is just completely unacceptable, you know, with the talent that you have coming in to South Bend. So I don't think, uh, yeah, it's just, just going to be a tough year for Notre Dame because you still got USC on your schedule and you got Clemson and you're going to go 0-2 against them. Yeah, I mean, unless there's some craziness that occurs. Yeah, some voodoo. You know, and, and who knows what could happen. And you also got Syracuse on the road, too. So that yeah. that's going to be another loss. So I could see this team finishing like six. Yeah, I mean, that's 500 football, and, and that's not good for them. And, and I think even five and seven is a, is a is even an option that's on the table. Um, but I, I think – the biggest thing going forward is that Notre Dame should not be in the top 25 in another preseason poll for the next few years. It makes zero sense to do it, and I don't think there should have been uh, at the beginning of this season. Uh, but, of course, uh, it didn't make any sense, but neither did the beginning of the polls anyways. Uh, it only matters at the end. And, of course, speaking of the polls, we're going to our risers and fallers, and it is presented by Fanatics. Uh, if you guys want to go get your college football gear over there, get ready for conference championships coming up in a couple of weeks here. Uh, we do have our affiliate link with Fanatics. It is at the bottom in our description of all of our shows. Uh, you can go there and check it out. And the code for today, Tyler, is? It's still that uh, wacky that online. Uh, show gourd it's g-o-u-r-d it was some pumpkin but you can save up to 65 percent off site wide uh, especially uh get you um, i think that we're gonna have a lot of people uh order our gear once we get closer and you know and your favorite teams are in like the conference championship and and win your championship so that's definitely going to be the poll of for definitely for sports to text chat about that we had a little spiel about when you should you know buy merchandise you know should you wait if you know say that your team's in the playoffs should you get like the the four teams are in the playoff shirt or just wait you know until you win your team wins the natty but we had all that but i'll like i'll text chad to try and get that as q a for our fans absolutely yeah we want to know yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna go out there and get the championship shirt your team won the championship or you're just gonna get the shirt with both helmets of both teams on it and say, Hey, it's just the national championship shirt. And whoever wins wins um, kind of the generic shirt or are you holding out, you know, for your team to win. Uh, Tyler gave his thoughts over on sports scramble. You guys can go check that out as well. And I gave my thoughts, uh, but you guys can check that out over there, but now getting to our risers and faller uh, Tyler, who is your riser for the week uh, for the AP top 25? Yeah, we talked about them uh, in the Big 12 uh, game of the week last week. I'm going to go with the TCU Horn Frogs. They moved up five spots to number eight. They're a top 10 team. We haven't seen this team get into the top 10 uh, since the, the 2017 days, uh, whenever uh, they were really good in the Big 12 thoroughly up the season. And in the Mountain West, they were a powerhouse uh, with Boise State as well. So this, you know, program isn't really – you know, new to all this stuff of getting the, the fame. So I just think that, you know, TCU schedule really sets up nicely. You have home game uh, this weekend against Kansas State. 
I really think that their only loss on the schedule could come in Austin against a Texas team uh, that's uh, really playing well the last couple of weeks. Absolutely blew out the doors of Oklahoma and then uh, squeaked out a win at home against Iowa State. Controversy there, uh, which I won't even get into. I'll, I'll keep the talk uh, to both of those fan bases. But I'm going to go with TCU. I think that could be a team that we could see in the playoffs. Yeah, and for me, my riser is going to be Tulane, who stays right there on the end of the top 25 in the number 25 spot. They're 6-1 and one so far this season. Uh, a you know, big win on the road at K-State early in the season. Uh, a sad loss the next week at home to uh, you know Southern Miss. I mean, And then you come back and bounce back. You go and get an OT win against Houston. And I'm just like, it is all over the board uh, for them. And then they kind of even it out here. But big week coming up. You've got Memphis coming up in the next week uh, after your, you know, actually that's this upcoming week. And and then you've got to go on the road and play Tulsa. Tulsa is a tough team, even though they're two and four. Uh, Tulsa is a tough team to play, you know, and you still got to close the season out against Cincinnati. So I think they're on the rise. Uh, they could They could stay in the top 25. One loss gets them completely out of the race uh, for a big bowl game. So I think uh, with a win against Cincinnati, they would be the number one group of five school uh, in the country, which is crazy to me, even though you lose to a Southern Miss team. Uh, But I think the biggest one, you know, that you and I have had questions about is South Alabama being six and one so far this year and having – not getting in the top 25, even though their only loss comes to a UCLA team who's currently number nine in the country, who had to win the game on their home field out West with a game-winning field goal with triple zeros on the clock, uh, you know, a 32-31 win uh, over there. So I, I think it's very hard to keep them out. I think if they win this week a game against Troy on a Thursday night that's going to be on ESPNU, Uh, I think that game is very important uh, for them. And I think it ultimately vaults them into the top 25 with, you know, with a win there, a big win. Uh, They're only receiving four votes right now from AP voters. So I think honorable mention uh, could be another risers, North Carolina. They went from unranked. and now they're sitting at number 22. I know that E. King himself, who always gets his picks right, uh, North Carolina is looking really good for you. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how uh, just luck of the draw, I guess, you know, with, with the ACC. But, yeah, in, you know, other teams, we talked about Illinois, very good team uh, that's right there that really is uh, moving up quickly. I mean, even you beating a team like Minnesota, who's no longer in the top 25, you beat them, you move up six spots. In the AP poll, you're now sitting at number 18. You were sitting at 24, like we talked about. Uh, so it's pretty wild that they're sneaking up in there uh, with some big teams, you know, that have already lost a game this year. And uh, they have some some uh, some poll now there in, in the middle of the poll. So uh, speaking of the poll, who's been pulled down the poll, you know, and who's our, our fallers for the week, Tyler? I'm going to go Mississippi State. They just looked awful. They looked flat uh, on Saturday against a Kentucky team. Uh, just ran right through them. Chris Rodriguez had a very good game. We saw Will Levis uh, healthy back in that game. That really made all the difference. Uh, Kentucky just looked completely different. 
just go back uh, a week ago, they did not play a really good game against South Carolina, which is a team that they've been dominating for the past decade. And then they, you know, come back at home in a hostile environment. Uh, but, you know, Mississippi State uh, now has to play uh, pissed off Alabama. And they pro- this is probably going to be their last week uh, in the AP poll for good. I just think that we're just going to see Mississippi State probably finish at 8-4. and four. They still have to play Georgia and Alabama. I had uh, them beating Georgia as my upset of the year, but I just don't see it anymore. Uh, I just think that if they play like this again, they're just going to get blown out. Uh, so I could see them uh, probably losing three more games. The Egg Bowl, uh, depending on where it is, I think it's in Oxford this year. They have yes. Georgia at home and then Alabama on the road. So this could be uh, three losses. So this could be maybe even a, a five-loss team. I had them seven and five to begin with. Uh, so, you know, this could be a term for the worse if they get blown out this weekend in, in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, each weekend builds on top of each other. And for me, the weekends that are built on top of each, on top of each other for my team is NC State. Uh, NC State, a hard loss, only putting up nine points on the road at Syracuse. Uh, did not put up hardly any points. I mean, that, that's sad to think of. Uh, you come into the game in number 15 in the country – uh, after a win against Florida State, you lose to a Syracuse team that's riding high, undefeated. I expected Syracuse to win. I think we both, you know, we both picked Syracuse to win that that football game um, at home. Next week, you come back home against Virginia Tech. Not a tough football game, low-scoring football game, I think. Uh, both teams struggling to score the football, but then you welcome Wake Forest next the next week, and Wake Forest is still sitting there you know, somehow under the gun being right there at 13. So I think that's another game that you're going to have problems with. And all of a sudden, here we are talking about an NC State team that's a three-loss team, and they would no longer be in the top 25. I mean, currently sitting at 23, they fell a long ways, uh, you know, and that that really hurt them. So I think that it uh, it's, turn, it's taken a turn for the worse for NC State. I know I picked them to play against North Carolina – in the ACC championship. So I can basically uh, call it a day for that side of uh, the, the bracket there. And I think that uh, I think North Carolina has a better opportunity for that, even though they're at 22, their schedule sets up a little better uh, later on in the season. Cause man, there's still a lot of tough games and even Boston college going to NC state is, is going to be a close call. Uh, yeah, it was just but, a recipe for disaster to begin with with NC State. Uh, they had news that Devin Leary would not, was not only out for the game against Syracuse, is out for the year. So NC State is – if they win games, it would be pretty. I, I just think that they – you know, they have the offensive weapons, but without Devin Leary, they're just not, you know, a good football team, especially not a top 25 team. So uh, I could definitely see them losing uh, to Wake Forest. But like you mentioned, you know, North Carolina has everything in front of them, and that Coastal Division has to be one of the worst divisions in college football this year. I think that UNC could easily win that division by, like, three, four games. Yeah, it's very, very bad in that part of the ACC. Uh, but moving on from our risers and fallers, moving into our games of the week. Here we are at week eight. There's only a few more weeks left before we get into Don't conference. Say that. We're trying to enjoy every week. <laughs> uh, one week at a time, uh, but it is getting better and better every week. More surprise teams moving up and down uh, the AP top 25, but into our games of the week. Our games of the week are brought to you by Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company over in Houston, Texas, uh, over in Chet's neck of the woods. 
go check them out, guys. The Houston Astros are in the playoffs right now, so I know that they'll be drumming up quite a bit, bit of business there uh, and a lot of uh, fun times over there at the Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. If you guys want to go check them out, go to www.buffbrew.com. Uh, that is www.buffbrew.com. Go check them out. They've got a lot of good beer to offer and some crazy stuff like Chet mentioned to us. They have an espresso uh, type beer in a coffee mix uh, to wake you up and also, you know, get you a little excited. Yeah, it, it seems like it seems like that would be something that I would drink at like nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, getting ready for college game day or something like that would be like the one thing I would That's get what ready you would for. drink. If you had to go to 11 o'clock kickoff game. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like me going to an 11 o'clock kickoff game uh, at LSU, you know, in I definitely needed one of those. Uh, so I might need one of those in the future. Uh, if we go out there and, and go see a baseball game just to keep me awake uh, for, for the game and the jet lag. Uh, but Go check them out, guys. They've got great stuff. Uh, and tell them tell them we sent you over that way, and uh, they'll hook you guys up. Uh, but moving into our games of the week, uh, to the ACC, and two good games here. First one is Syracuse going on the road to the uh, – we call it the Baby Death Valley, uh, and that is Clemson. And, and, the and, Orange Bowl. <laughs> yes, so it's going to be the Battle of the Orange. So it's going to be interesting – Syracuse at 14 right now. I think they're better than the ranked 14 right now. Uh, the problem is, is there's stuff in front of them. Uh, this game could be a very good game. I look for the quarterback for Syracuse Schrader to take full advantage of Clemson's lack in secondary play. Um, and for Clemson, they have to hope that Syracuse defense somehow uh, has a lax of coverage because they looked really good last week. Uh, you know, holding a good team to only nine points uh, is impressive. So I think that uh, this could be a very low game. I think you take the under in this game big time. I don't think you even get close to the over, whatever it is. It's probably in the high 40s or low 50s. But I'm going to go with the upset pick here. I'm going to take Syracuse. I'm going to take the orange on the road uh, in the quote-unquote Death Valley. Uh, But – I think Syracuse is the all-around better football team here. I think they have the better defense. Uh, offensively, I would say they match up pretty well. Uh, but defensively, I think Syracuse gets the nod for me. Uh, so I'm going to take the orange for another week here, going a 7-0 and going into week nine. Yeah, this is really the last chance that I see uh, getting upset. Uh, I think that Syracuse uh, really matches up well. Like you mentioned, the play that of Garrett Schrader, I think that – He's just been, you know, he's not, you know, Heisman level quarterback, but good enough uh, for Syracuse uh, to win ball games. And like you mentioned, I think that Syracuse's defense will be able to match up against uh, DJU and that offense. You know, Clemson is a really balanced. They like to to pass and they like to uh, to run it uh, on the ground. They just they just been you know tearing defenses apart with their running game. So I think that if uh, like you could see this one uh, as a lower scoring game, uh, usually that. Clemson has been, you know, putting up 30 points uh, pretty much in every other game. We saw them put up 34 against Florida State. Steve was really good on the defensive front, uh, but they got exposed. Uh, you know, Clemson really exposed their secondary. So I think that if Clemson is going to win this game, they're going to have to establish their run. I just don't think that they'll be able to do the same thing against a, a Syracuse secondary that really has been locking up on the receivers. I'm not going to go with the upset. Uh, I think that 
especially it's at home. If it was at the dome, not the carry dome anymore. I don't even know what it's called. It's just we're gonna call it the, just the dome. Yeah, just dome. Uh, but I think that Clemson game 24-21, I, I go with them and they continue uh, their road to the playoff. Yeah, for me, I think it's gonna be a lower scoring game. Uh, currently, you know, the line's at 13 and a half. So Clemson is basically the two touchdown favorite in this game. Uh, the over under is at 51 and a half. I think you take the under in this game. I don't think they get there. Uh, I think it's a 21 17 football game. And, and like I said, I think Syracuse somehow wins this game in the end, or, a, or maybe a 20 to 17 game, uh, for this one. And maybe Syracuse gets a late field goal. Um, but moving on from that big, big game to a snoozer game in the ACC, folks, we have to pick two games every week for games of the week in the conference. And this game stinks, uh, quite frankly, because Pitt is going on the road to face off against Louisville. I just – I don't think either of these teams got what's going for them right now. You know, Pitt opened the season quite, you know, on fire. You know, you get a big win, kind of the big first game of the year against West Virginia. But – you lose to Tennessee in an overtime game, and arguably the closest game that Tennessee has faced outside of the Alabama game. Of course, they weren't even close to their what they're capable of now. Uh, but Pitt looks stagnant. Louisville looks—they're uh, like a roller coaster ride, and it—it uh, doesn't—I don't—it doesn't make any sense in this game to pick Louisville at home, uh, but. I guess I have to. It's a pick them basically. It's a one-point line to Louisville. So I'm going to take Louisville at home uh, just because they're there. Yeah, I think that it's going to be a high-scoring shootout. Both of these defense stink. Uh, they haven't been able to, to, to stop anyone, really. I think that the quarterback play is going to be a really good matchup with, with Slovis uh, at Pittsburgh, and then you got Malik Cunningham. I, I'm going to go with Louisville and Malik Cunningham. I just think that his dual threat capabilities are going to have Pitt defenders clueless the whole entire game. So I'm going to go uh, with Louisville, the home team. Like you mentioned, it's a pick so you could pretty much go either way. But I'm going to go with the Cardinals. They had a, a rough showing at the start of the season. They got blown out by that Syracuse there on their screen, 34-6. to That really what vaulted Syracuse. And then Louisville really picked it up. They got some key wins, uh, especially against a UCF team that just put it on Temple this past week. Uh, but I'm going to go Louisville, and I'll go uh, 31, give it to the Cars at home. Yeah, I think in this one, I forget to give my score prediction, uh, but Louisville's going to win this football game, I think. Uh, I'm going to go 42-35 in this one. Uh, High-scoring football game, yeah, for sure. I, I, I think it definitely uh, – the currently over-under sits at 55.5. I think that's easily passable by both of these teams. So uh, it could be a, a very interesting game. I probably won't be watching that. I'll be paying more attention to the Syracuse in Clemson game, some a game that actually matters. I know that it's only a two-loss team, but two bad losses on their schedule. So uh, I I like uh, Louisville at home in this one. Uh, but moving away from the ACC into the Big 12, uh, a lot of action in the Big 12 lately. It's been kind of wild, crazy. Two ranked uh, matchups for the Big 12 this week uh, in Texas, hanging on there at the 20th spot. Gets Quinn Ewers back, you know, in kind of a different Texas team uh, after getting him back now. They're going to face off against Oklahoma State in Stillwater, uh, who sits at 11, even though they lose that game against TCU. I thought they should have fallen a little bit further than 11. Still think there's a couple of teams better. 
that's it there in that 12, 13, 14 area. Um, but still it was a close game. So I can see why they sit at 11, but uh, Texas and Oklahoma state here, I, I feel like Oklahoma state is the better team for me, especially at home in Stillwater. I think being back home is good for them. If this game's at Texas, different story. Um, this is where home field advantage kind of takes place uh, for close teams and, and I'm going to go with uh, Sanders and Oklahoma State. I, I think they're the better football team offensively. Um, it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think both teams struggle on defense. Texas is definitely the better defensive team, though. Um, I'll go I'll go 35-33. I'll have some wacky score because it is the Big 12. Uh, but I think definitely can can be a close one. Yeah, I think that Texas defense uh, has has proven that they're that they're one of the better defenses uh, in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State's the opposite; they haven't really been able to. One we uh, we saw last week and uh, what Quinn could do. So we'll see what uh, the true freshman uh, Quinn Ewers. Uh, he struggled last weekend against a pesky Iowa State team, which is always is. It doesn't matter, you know, what talent they have; they're always going to play close week in and week out but I really don't see this Oklahoma State team falling in back-to-back weeks especially back at home uh, with the fans and the pokes so I'm going to go take the pokes uh, in this one I'm going to give them the 31 to 28 victory I think it's going to be a very close game uh, two really evenly matched teams I think like you mentioned Texas has the better defense but the offenses you line them up I think they're pretty even especially the quarterback play of Spencer Sanders Oklahoma State uh, and Texas but B. John Robinson will definitely uh, have a big game in this one because Oklahoma State's uh, rush defense is concerning to me. So I could uh, see this one going either way, but got to give it to the home team. I think they bounce back. I get a get a big win over Texas. And moving on to our second game here, it is number 17, K-State, going on the road. The TCU back-to-back home games <laughs> against number eight, TCU. Uh, here it is, the Battle of the Purple in the big 12. And uh, I think it is also going to be the big late night kickoff because it is at seven o'clock, which is the late game for the big 12. Uh, But two good football teams here. I think TCU wins this game pretty easily. Unfortunately for K-State, I think uh, TCU is, is arguably one of is arguably the best team in the pac 12 or sorry, in the big 12. The best in the pac 12 too. It would be the best in the Pac-12, too. Uh, but, no, I think TCU is definitely the better team in this one. They're only a three-and-a-half at home in this one. Uh, you know, K-State's one of those pesky teams like Iowa State. Um, but I just think TCU has too much firepower. And, you know, with Duggins as co- at quarterback, it's just another week and another, another weapon, you know, that they can just run somebody over again. Uh, so I think TCU wins this game pretty easily. The over-under is at 58.5 in this one. Uh, I think they crack it. I think it's easily over that. You're probably looking in the 60s to 70s. 70s. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Uh, I'm going to go 49-35 in this one. I think that TCU handles their business. Uh, I know it's a lot of points, but they just look unstoppable on offense. Yeah, I agree. I think that both defenses are, are not doing too good. We saw Kansas State, you know, and really the main matchup that I look at one week, you know, they played only score like 17. And then the next week, Oklahoma put up like 49. So you're going to it. It doesn't I, don't, I mean, it's just a tall tale of what Kansas State team is going to show up in this game. 
But I think they're running to a buzzsaw, which is TCU and Max Duggan. Uh, I think that he could be uh, in the Heisman or by the end of the season, especially if TCU gets into the playoff curve. I think that he's putting good enough numbers for him to get a spot. But like you mentioned, three points to TCU just feels like easy money to me. I know like Kansas State has been a pesky team, but I just think that TCU overall is just a better football team, especially on the offensive side. I know that Adrian Martinez has shown uh, his veteran and leadership uh, for this Kansas State team, but I got TC winning this game in a high score and shootout 41 to 31, the double digit win at home. I think that TCU uh, starts off fast in this game. I think they fell asleep uh, in an early kickoff at, at 2 30 against Oklahoma State, but I think a night game, they'll be rested, ready to go. I think you'll see uh, the Horned Frogs really step up. So give me TCU to continue their dominance. Yeah, we might have to toss that in the parlay because that looks like some easy money yeah. right there in that one, uh, at least we think. Uh, yeah. not well, the betting not the betting people and uh no experts yeah no people in vegas are are thinking it's going to be a much closer game so they're probably looking at the history of the two teams uh but moving away from the big 12 into the big 10 uh talk about history this entire conference's history this week because uh these are really bad matchups i think uh the first one being iowa the hawkeyes are going to columbus to face off against number two ohio state um this is another steamroll opportunity for Ohio State. I think they steamroll them by uh, maybe 28 in this one, and that's not an exaggeration. I think, honestly, it could be four touchdowns, uh, which wouldn't be enough to cover because, oddly enough, the line is at 29 points, folks. Uh, so the Buckeyes have to win by 29 points in order to cover. Uh, they might win by 29. So – I'm going to roll with, with Ohio State here. I think it is easily a 55-10 to 10 game. Uh, I think it's it's just going to be so one-sided. I think I will be lucky if they score. Yeah, this is just a complete overmatch, especially on the offensive side. Iowa can't score literally on everybody. I just think, you know, I, Ohio State's uh, defense is, is starting to improve week by week, and they're coming off of the bye week, uh, so that just adds to this matchup. So, be well rested. Don't even watch in this one because it'll probably be like 35 to nothing at the half. So I got Ohio State big in this one. I think they cover. Give me the Buckeyes 59 to 10. Yeah, I mean, we both think that Iowa's only going to score 10 points. I mean, that's really bad. It's so bad that the over-under is only at 49 and a half points. I think Ohio State hits 49 and a half points. They're going to uh, Get into the 50s easily. I was, yeah, I think Cedar I was defense is so overrated. I think Cedar Stroud will take his pads off at halftime and not put them back on. Yeah. He can go put street clothes back on and sit on the sideline and rest for another week. They're going to uh, be like, man, coming off of the bye, can we get a spring game? This is easy. Yeah, it, it it's almost too easy for them right now uh, just because of how bad some of these teams are. I mean, Ohio State's a, a good football team, but Iowa's just terrible right now. Uh, currently sitting at three and three, and that's just not where Iowa has statistically been, and they just look like they're falling apart. Um, so maybe something needs to change there in Iowa, maybe at the head coaching position, maybe just personnel, uh, but something has to happen, or this could be a reoccurring theme for many years to come. Uh, as far as our other game, two teams coming off of both, both coming off of losses, uh, Minnesota, who was arguably the best team in the Big Ten West, 
uh, a couple of weeks ago is now unranked, lose a tough game. You lose to Illinois on the road. Uh, you basically get shut down completely. And uh, you're going to Happy Valley. You're going to State College to play against the number 16 team in the country in Penn State. Penn State, a tough loss to get blown out in Ann Arbor against Michigan with Blake Corum, who looked absolutely unstoppable. Uh, I think he'll be sitting in one of those seats for the Heisman Trophy, to be honest with you. Um, having over 100 carries in four games is absolutely insanity. Um, and it just looks wild to me that, uh, you know, Penn State got shut down so bad. And I think they're going to be out for blood again this week uh, against Minnesota. This is always a really good football game. Um, I think Penn State wins because they're at home. This is the whiteout this week. Um, it doesn't feel like a whiteout because of the loss to uh, Michigan last week. It doesn't feel like the whiteout, a whiteout game. Um, and you would think that the whiteout game would be the next week against Ohio State. Just a just a odd mix-up. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know why they did that, but Penn State is the four and a half at home over under sits at 44 and a half. I think they probably get to the over in that one at 44 and a half because it's so low. Uh, I picked Penn State to cover that. I think they'll probably win this game. Uh, I'm going to go 35-28. I think it's probably a touchdown game at the end of it all. Yeah, these are two teams looking uh, to get back on track. I think more Penn State absolutely they got exposed, especially uh, their defensive line. I think that's going to be a concern because Minnesota's got a, a good enough running back, too, with Ibrahim in the backfield that's really been carrying the load uh, for Minnesota. So I think that you're going to see Minnesota continuing uh, to feed him uh, in the running game. So I think if Penn State can stop him, then Penn, then Minnesota is not going to win this game. This is a wideout game. I I mean, Penn State, like, hardly ever loses in a wideout game. Like, I'm already ready for the you know, over here wearing white. So – I think that Penn State is going to be ready for this one. I think that we're going to see a completely different team this week. I think they win by 10 uh, in a statement victory. I have uh, the Nittany Lions winning 31 to 21. I think it's going to be a little sloppy at the start, but I think that both fall, especially Sean Clifford, he's got to get going. And then, I mean, I have uh, some questions uh, for the head coach because he's like three and seven in his last big game. So I know that he's got a contract extension and all, but, uh, if you can't win the big games and you can't coach at Penn State. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to talk about, you know, being uh, a big, big head coach. I mean, following up some one of the greatest head coaches in college football history, you know, trying to follow up what's happened. You get this huge contract and you still uh, you can't win games against teams that are, you know, in the top 10. And it just it looks like it's almost it's one thing to like lose like by three points, but to get absolutely exposed is like completely unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, for a big program like Penn state, that's absolutely unacceptable watching for a long time. It, it hurts to see it, but you kind of expect it at some point. Um, and with all the hype around the game and everything, it was kind of uh, expected after, you know, Penn state gets a good defensive touchdown. Uh, and after that, nothing happens. And I think there's a really good chance you don't see Sean Clifford start this game. You might see Drew Aller actually start this game uh, for Penn State. And I, I honestly would like to see that move be made. Um, see what Aller can do for the first quarter or whatever. If they get a touchdown and he's rolling, leave him in. Uh, if not, then put Clifford in. Give Clifford a little bit of rest. Um, 
he's getting old six years. I mean, it, uh, you're going to have to get him a Walker pretty soon for as long as he's been there. And, uh, I think Penn state would have been better off had he not chosen to stay for another year because of the extra year due to COVID. Um, I think that Penn state probably would have been better off having a freshman quarterback in Drew Aller, somebody new, fresh face, uh, get him some experience. I know he's had some experience this year, uh, but I think this is a great opportunity at home, crowd behind them. Um, I think they're ready ready for something new and a fresh face. Uh, so look for him to might – he might start this game. So I, I would like to see it at least. Uh, but moving on from the Big Ten out west to the Pac-12, uh, big game here. First of all, the first game, number nine, UCLA facing off against number 10, Oregon. Both of these teams in the top ten. Fantastic runs by both of them. I think UCLA handles business on the road. I don't think they run into much problems offensively scoring. I think this is probably going to hit the over high scoring football game. I think that UCLA wins this football game. Shoot, man, they're so good right now. They're probably going to go. I'm going to go 42 35 in this one again. I think they're just dominant right now. I might even go. Actually, I'll change it up. I'll go. I'll go 42-31. I think they'll they'll win by even more. And it, it seems crazy, but they look like the best team in the country outside of uh, Tennessee right now. Uh, I mean, DTR. Uh, I mean, I know that we've been saying that deserves the Heisman, but I think that man, it's. I think that the Heisman. There's like many players that could be intention. I think that DTR uh, is is top five for sure, especially if his team can go on the road into a hostile environment. College game day is going to be there. I believe this is the is this the eleven o'clock kickoff this week, or is that something else? I think I think it's like the two thirty game actually. I think it's the two thirty game. Yeah, I think on ABC something. I think it's something like that, or you know, I don't know. So um, going back to this game, uh, yeah, it is the two thirty game. So just going back to this game, I think that the offenses uh, will really take over. I think that Bo Nix uh, has found his rhythm uh, with uh, the Oregon offense. I mean, we saw him in week one, what he did. And then after that, it just looks completely different Oregon team. I know that they, you know, had a close game against Washington State, 44 to 41 in that in one week. But after that, they've really been cruising. UCLA, on the other hand, after, you know, almost losing to South Alabama, they've looked like a completely different team to beat uh, Utah at home, uh, which was a, Really good win. Not only did they win, they will win convincingly against a really good Utah team as well. But it's at Austin Stadium. I'm going to go Oregon to win this one. I think the UCLA hot train stops here. I go with the Ducks. I think uh, both teams get into the Ford. I think it's going to be 44 to 40. Wow. So the over-under is currently at 70 and a half. Oh, gee, that's still a lot of points. It is a lot of points. And Oregon is the six-point favorite at home, even though – they have that one loss against Georgia to open the year. Uh, they yeah, will on Just throw that in the trash. I mean, that was a completely different football team. I mean, I think a lot of people forgot about that. Yeah, and I think Bo Nix found his home uh, over there in Oregon. So it seems like both of these teams are on the rise. It'll be a great football game for a 2:30 kickoff. On the other side of things, Washington <laughs> is going to face off against Cal. Both of these teams look absolutely abysmal. Washington cannot score the football worth a darn. And Cal loses a game and gives Colorado their first one of the year in an absolutely terrible football game. I don't want to watch either of these teams, and I probably won't watch this game 
just because of it. Tyler, I want to get your prediction first. Yeah, this is easy. If you lose to Colorado, uh, you just stink. I mean, Washington's going to win this game. I think that their offense is completely better. This is going to be – I don't think that both – I think that Washington's a better football team. I don't think that Cal is that great. I know it's – I know that they played uh, Notre Dame close. That's pretty much like the one, you know, game that college football fans are pointing to, you know, picking California in this one. But I think that Michael uh, finally gets it done. California's defense uh, great against a Colorado offense that's been struggling literally all season. They rode five in this one, and they – get their first win so if you lose to a team like Colorado I can't really pick you but beauty of college football you know they'll probably lose to Colorado and then beat Washington so I could definitely see that happening but I gotta gotta go with Washington like a 21 to 17 game yeah I think Washington wins this game pretty easily they cover the I think they cover the seven and a half uh in this game I'm probably gonna go uh with a wild 32 to to 14 game i think that they win this game pretty easily i don't think cal has much opportunity to score in this game uh washington's defense might actually come out of the locker room for once and win a football game so uh i think washington is the better team here out of the opposite of games we have a top 10 matchup and then you have a stinker of a game of washington and cal it looks like the acc it's kind of the same uh you know you have the big game and then you have the absolute snoozer game that nobody wants to watch so that would be this game um, and the fact that that game is the late game on ESPN at 9.30 is kind of sad. I'm not watching it. The late game on ESPN at 9.30. I don't so- watch it any – I don't even watch like – I mean, I watch USC in Utah, but I'm not watching this. This is not worth my time. I, I love college football, but I'm not watching this. These are two awful teams. I think they should have flip-flopped these two games. I think UCLA and Oregon should have played at 9.30 on ESPN. Yeah. And I think that Washington and Cal should have played at 2.30 in a time that nobody cares about in a game that nobody cares about. Unless you go to Cal and you want to see them actually get have a winning record this year. Or you want to watch Washington absolutely hammer them into the ground uh, till no end. Uh, but moving on from the Pac-12 to the more exciting and, you know, as my fellow buddies here on this show and on Sports Scramble say, the best conference of them all, the SEC – uh, the games of the week in the SEC start with a big matchup between number seven Ole Miss and still unranked LSU, uh, even though they had a big win on the road at Florida. Florida was unranked at the time, uh, and they look meh. So uh, Ole Miss goes to LSU here. You view this as a trap game. I know you do for Ole Miss. Uh, but for me, I think Ole Miss handles business here on the road. I think they're the better football team. Lane Kiffin, I think, is the better head coach than Brian Kelly. Uh, longer time in the SEC. He spent very long time in the SEC. Uh, and I just think this is another one of those welcome, we've been expecting you moments. Um, and I think Ole Miss handles business here. I, I'm I'm going to go 35-14 in this one. Uh, I think LSU struggles to score the football. Uh, against Ole Miss because of defense. Uh, defense came up big a few weeks ago at home against Kentucky, and I think uh, I think Ole Miss controls this game pretty well. Yeah, their defense did not come up big last uh, this past Saturday, giving 35 to uh, Auburn offense that has been struggling mightily uh, a few weeks of uh, the season. Uh, but I think the play of Jane Daniels, uh, I think, if he can continue uh, to just keep improving every week and every week, I mean, his worst game was that Tennessee game. And then he comes out 
the next week against a Florida defense had, you know, just that just got absolutely exposed uh, against, you know, the top three receivers uh, for LSU and then their running game uh, got it going as well. This is, has all the potential for scoring shootout. I mean, LSU's uh, defense uh, hasn't been looking great. Uh, they have the talent. Ole Miss, you know, has the talent. You know, they've had games where they shut out people. They look back at Kentucky. They forced like four turnovers in that ball game. Uh, so I think that uh, whoever wins the turnover battle, you know, get those key mistakes that could win this ball game. Ole Miss dominated uh, the game last year in Oxford with Matt Corral. And so it was pretty different uh, teams at the time. But I think that LSU, you know, they got exposed uh, that against uh, Tennessee. Obviously, that was warranted in Tennessee, looking like the best uh, college football team in the country. But I think that LSU done in a very close battle. I think they won their revenge uh, for what Ole Miss did to them. Uh, a year ago, so I think that LSU wins at a high score and uh, shootout. I'll go 38 to 35 in a field goal game. Give me LSU. I think this is going to be a typical Ole Miss LSU game. Go back and forth, back and forth, and then LSU nails a game winning field goal at the bus. <laughs> and as you can tell, there's some sort of bias there in the background of Tyler Screen uh, being the LSU fan, but we won't hold him to that. Uh, but moving on to our second game, the Mississippi State Bulldogs coming off a strange and tough loss uh, last week. They're number 24. They will be heading to Tuscaloosa. Alabama is going home and uh, with their tail between their legs from Knoxville. Uh, I think that they're out for blood this week. I thought this was going to be a closer game than most people expect. I know the line is at 21 points. I think this is probably a 17-point game at the end of it all. Um I think it can be uh, it, it can be higher than that, but I, I just feel like this game is meant to be uh, kind of wacky. I think this is going to be a wacky football game. I think Alabama wins. Um, I think Alabama is probably going to put up at least forty points. So uh, I'll go forty. Man, I don't know. I'll go forty-two to twenty-eight in this one. Um, I just don't know if Alabama can cover a really high point margin. Yeah, I mean, I thought about going with Mississippi State. Uh, you know, I was thinking of picking them if Alabama won. Uh, but man, I just hate for Mississippi State. It seems like every time that Alabama loses, they're they're like they're like, we have you next. Let's whoop you uh, at home against uh, you know in touch. But. I think that, you know, Mississippi State's offense, uh, you know, is no slouch either. They look terrible uh, against Kentucky. Uh, but, you know, Alabama's secondary uh, has been awful as well. So I think that the receivers for Mississippi State, Will Rogers, that's what they want to do to you. They want to they throw deep. And, you know, at times this season they've shown that they can run the ball as well. But Alabama's not going to lose uh, games. Uh, if they do, then this is just a completely different Alabama team we're looking at. But – I think that Nick Saban uh, and the Tide are going to be pissed off and ready uh, to blow the doors off Mississippi State. So I got uh, Alabama win this one, 42-20. Yeah, so pretty close for the both of us there. Um, and this one, Tyler has them barely covering by one point. Uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't really bet on this game. No, and it just seems like a wacky game. I mean, this is another game where Alabama has to face off against another really good SEC quarterback. I mean, this is giving me like Texas fives. You know, we were like, oh, yeah, they're going to blow them out. And then, you know, we could see state like only lose by a touchdown. Yeah, it seems it seems like it could be a really strange game. And I know Mississippi State knows that Alabama's pissed off. So I think they're going to have to get some sort of added excitement for this game, uh, but could be a really great game. 
Uh, and then on to our one group of five game. Folks, we always talk about our one group of five game, and we got to give some love to our group of five people. And, of course, we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but this is the group of five game of the week, folks. It was the hardest thing to find a game. And the fact that the, we, the game we picked is on a Thursday night um, is sad <laughs> for everybody outside of the Power Five. Um, but it is the Troy Trojans going to South Alabama to face off against the Jaguars. This is a six and one versus a five and two team matchup. Uh, both of these teams look like um, the two main front runners, I would say, in the Sun Belt. Um, whoever wins this game, I think, wins the division. Uh, so I think this is really big. This is a really big game, and, and normally it's not. Um, it's it is a rivalry game. So both of these teams are in the state of Alabama, not too far from each other, just a few hours away. Um, but this is a really big game for both of them. Uh, I will be at the game. Um, Tyler, I think you're probably coming over for the game as well. Um, so that is still up, up for interpretation, I think, right now. But we, uh, we're trying to do that. But I, we'll be at the game, um, and it's going to be a really good one, a 6.30 kickoff. And uh, I think South Alabama handles business here. I think this – I think they want to be in the top 25. They're receiving votes now, at least. Um, but I think if they win big here, I think that they're in the top 25 somewhere between the 22 and 25 mark in there. Uh, I think they win. Uh, it's probably going to be a 28-17 game at the end of it. I don't see a ton of points being put up. I'd be really surprised. Uh, but South Alabama has been leaning hard on the running game. Um, and I think they will here to beat uh, a decent and good Troy Trojan team. Yeah, I agree. I think that whoever wins this one, especially if you're South Alabama, Troy already has a loss in the in the Sun Belt. They their one loss in, in the conference uh, came to App State on that Hail Mary by App State. It seems like you know there's a lot of hype for App State. We haven't even talked about that team. They really just disappeared. Uh, I think that a lot of hype is shifting, you know, towards South Alabama. So I think that this is a big robbery game. Uh, Troy, I think, has dominated the past couple of years. I think that South Alabama, you know, has struggled in the past. But this is a different South Alabama team. Uh, Bradley, the quarterback, uh, has been receiving some hype. He could be front runner uh, for the Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year uh, right now, the way that he's been rolling. Uh, they just put up 41 points uh, against Louisiana Monroe, but also gave up 37 points. So I think that this could be, you know – one of those games where the winner is probably going to get in the low 30s and then the loser will probably get into the high 20s. This is a robbery game, so this is always going to be close. I don't really see this one as a blowout. I'm going to give it to the Jaguars uh, at, at home. I think they get the job done, continue to roll. I think I'm going to go 31-27. We're going to see uh, the Jaguars in the top 25 uh, come uh, next week. Well, you heard it here, folks. We've got the Jaguars in the top 25. <laughs> Uh, maybe they'll be our big movers next week. We yeah, don't know. They're definitely going to be uh, my big mover. Yeah, so we'll have to see. Uh, but there'll be a lot of content coming from that matchup there on a Thursday night. So I know we are excited about this game, uh, even though it is a group of five. So you might be scratching your head, but it means a lot for both of these programs and for the future of the Sun Belt uh, and the and the future of whether they get a big bowl game or not. Yeah, uh, and so, Knicks, especially, you know, with, with Tulane, you know, what if we see South Alabama creep up? We could see a battle between, you know, Cincinnati, South Alabama, and Tulane. Who would have thought that? Yeah, we never would have thought something like that happening um, in this wild season, but it can. Um, and speaking of wild, we'll go to our news where we have a wild news 
story here. Of course, I'll let Tyler take this one, being the SEC guy, but I busted out laughing at this because I think it is the funniest thing, um, and, and it's been a long time since it's happened. Yeah, so like I mentioned, you know, Tennessee fans uh, were, were carrying the goalposts out. Well, first of all, they tried to, you know, up to the stadium there and like throw it. I'd say, hey, catch guys, you know, this is like a – a thousand pound, you know, goalpost catch and, you know, try not to get injured. Well, they, they decided, you know, to be smart, go through the tunnel. So they just kept on going, you know, down the street and into the river. They threw it. And the funniest goalpost is just like floating down the river. It's, it's not even sinking. So what Tennessee is doing is they put up pretty much like a GoFundMe on their like their athletic website. It's not really GoFundMe, but it kind of looks like it. The donations are hilarious. You can donate $16. It says, uh, donate $16. This is how many years since it's been that Tennessee has beaten Alabama. And then they have the score. You can donate 52 bucks and cents. Uh, and then they have, you know, like a thousand bucks, 5,000. I like how the, the gap goes from like 52 to like 5,000. Like, okay, uh, we're dealing with some rich <laughs> folks here, but I just found it. Hilarious. Yeah, I think it was a funny story. I, I just, I think it's great. Um, and I think I said on the Sports Grandville show last night, you know, I said I commend the students for carrying that goalpost as far as they did just to throw it in the river. Um, and I think it's hilarious. I, I I think it's good for the program, you know, big win there. And it gets the students, I think, really uh, committed to the volunteer football. Again, you got one of the biggest stadiums in the country and it's been kind of a letdown. Uh, you know, the last number of years. And now you, know, you get to showcase that and how loud your fans can be. And they get to embrace it a little more. I mean, I've seen a lot more Tennessee fans, you know, coming home, them playing LSU uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, it, it. I saw so many Tennessee fans, you know, with flags and license plate and decals, whatever it may be. And it, and it felt good to being from Tennessee. It felt, it felt good to see some people uh, that uh, – came out and came down all the way down to Baton Rouge to support their team and in their belief. Uh, so they look great. And I know that we're both riding them all the way to the SEC championship. So let's hope they make it there. Uh, but moving on from that, we have our one question of the week. We've, you know, we've changed. This is the second week we've kind of changed course with it. And, you know, we got our new segment and then we have our big question. So you guys are welcome to comment on what you think. We're going to comment on what we think are the top three best and worst runouts in college football um, that is, you know, entrances, you know, before games, uh, you know, kind of get the crowd excited and uh, also the players excited, you know, go out there and hit somebody and win a big football game. Uh, so, Tyler, who is your one, two, and three best uh, college football runouts or entrances, I, I should say? Yeah, I'll, I'll be the first one to crack out the best ones, but I want you to be the one to do the worst ones since I, I think that you really hinted on, on one of the worst ones. But I'm not going to go really in particular order. I'll just give the three ones. So I'm going to the ACC. I think this is pretty easy, Virginia Tech. I think for me that's number one. Uh, screw it, I'll go in order. Uh, number one, Virginia Tech. Enter Sandman. I mean, it doesn't matter. Virginia Tech absolutely stays. I mean, they're – football team this year but they're I mean Lane Stadium is always uh bumping I mean whenever that song comes up and you know they're you know before they're like let's go Hokies and then like whenever that song comes on like when you're watching on like from the couch at home like you just get goosebumps like the whole stadium is just jumping up and down and then whenever like you know 
it, it keeps going, you know, here comes uh, the team and it's just like the fireworks go off. I just think that it's got to be like the best college football entrance. My number two is going to give it to South Carolina. Just to, like the song that they run out to. And then like, I guess you can count like enter like, like storm as well that they kind of do that in their entrance video as well. I think they use like those little like posts with the flames that goes off and then, the crowd just goes wild, you know, waving uh, the white towels, and then it just shifts right into sandstorm. So I think that, you know, a lot of people think that Clemson, you know, in the state of South Carolina has college. And so, yeah, that's good and all. Like, that's the best 25 seconds in college football. But, man, you just get goosebumps uh, from whenever South Carolina uh, enters the stadium. And then number three is going to be Tennessee, the power T, especially this weekend in, in Alabama with a very, you know, especially when they checkerboard or orange out, whatever they do, it's just a power T. I just think that it's a very good tradition at Tennessee, you know, like whenever they're kind of like shift out and then they just like run with, you know, the C state flag, the, the big power T. So I think the two SEC teams, and I know that's some SEC bias, but I think that South Carolina and Tennessee have, Two of the bands uh, in the country. I think honorable mentions got to be Clemson. I think that a lot of people think it's wacky that they run down a hill, touch a rock, balloons go out, but you you really can't. You know, you know, it's just like one of the best. But especially you know when they run out with the flags one by one, like C B and all that. So that's like my top three, my honorable mention. So I guess I'm gonna take the worsts. Um, you know, since we'll Tyler do, took we'll do your best first and it didn't do your worst. Well, no, no, no. You you gave the best. I could agree with you on those. Okay. I think we can add any one, other one that you want to throw out there. Um, I think another good one um is probably Colorado. I love the Buffalo, Buffalo. entrance. Shoot, it's hard to no, he's trying to say dude. Imagine I think I talked about it really early. I think it was like our first episode of the year, but I talked about how like imagine the speed that that thing runs at that you would have to keep up with as you're holding onto these reins, this thing's just running full speed across the field. And it, it just was wild to me. Uh, but I think that's a cool entrance uh, yeah. too. And uh, I think the first lame entrance, the one that is number one, that most lame entrance, I think for me is gotta be Michigan. I cannot stand them running out and slapping that stupid banner Jumping up and smacking the banner, wee, and they jump up, jump up and hit the banner like they're ten again. And some of them uh, miss it, so it's like that's very yeah. awkward. I mean, there's something about a 395 pound lineman trying to jump up to a banner that's nine feet in the air and can't hit it, and it, it's turned into some of the funny moments because there have been people that have tripped and tripped and fall yeah, after doing it. Um, but it just it seems like a stupid entrance to me, and it just. It doesn't make any sense. There's so much more that you could do with it other than that. That and they only have one tunnel on the entire field, and that's the one tunnel that both teams go down, and there ends up being a fight about every time. Uh, there's two teams that don't like each other in that, uh, you know, in that small space. I mean, they're not going to go through there skipping and holding hands. Uh, so, I mean, you know, they're going to be upset with each other. So uh, it, it doesn't seem like the greatest uh, to me. Number two – that I think is lame um, is Oregon. I think the Oregon entrance is lame. The duck on the motorcycle makes number one. It makes zero sense. The duck is a cool mascot. I can't, I can't lie. He's probably one of the best 
mascots in all of college football, a lot of thought and uh, personality went into that. Uh, but I just think the duck on the motorcycle doesn't make any sense to me. And it tears up the field, which is <laughs> awful, because all you see is this line about the whole time the game's going on. It's like, oh, look, that's where he decided he was just going to take the motorcycle right out of the field. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why they have to have a turf field as well. He couldn't have grass because he just freaking rip up all the grass and just do a burnout on the field. Uh, but I just think it's a lame entrance. I, I, there's so much more they could have done uh, being Oregon and, and the motorcycle is just really odd. And number three for me, um, lame ones probably is UC, uh, USC. Um, I think the Trojan stab with the, with the, the whole sport is just it's too old i think it's it's been the same thing and i get nostalgia at some point but it just seems so lame to me i just i don't like it it, it they could have done so much more with it um maybe with like a trojan army or something i mean there's so much more that you could have come up with uh and uh i would like to see something new uh, but what's your honorable mention do you think for the, the worst in the country oklahoma Half the time that thing falls falls apart, or either. I mean, I I mean I get it. It's just like I have to put it on there because half the time they're failing it, and they just they just look lame. It's just like they're like, "Woo, we're waving our things," and oh, there we go. So I I don't know. I do more or get more sturdier vehicle for it to to make it great. (laughs) But it's got to be a cool honorable mention. Yeah. And I think another one for the best that I think is also really good could be Florida State. Yeah. Um, I like the Seminole. I do. The flame spear and then the people are doing the tomahawk job. Yeah. That's very intimidating. They do a good job in the intimidation factor. Especially Uh, when they're good. Yes. I mean, mean, we saw this past weekend against Clemson. They they sold that thing out. I mean, it was a very hostile environment. Very tough place to play in the ACC. Absolutely. And guys, uh, as far as our episode for this week, that is going to be it. Uh, It's going to be a wild week eight, and I know we're looking forward to it. We'll be at some college football games this weekend. So uh, we're looking for another great week. And if you guys want to follow some more of our good content and uh, leave some thoughts, ideas going forward into the season and and going on next. I guess my mom thinks that Mississippi State uh, is one of the worst interests, too. Yes, she thinks that cowbells need to be banned. Um, They are banned from every other stadium except for their own. Um, So I I would agree that I think they're annoying, and I feel like everybody in Starkville or central Mississippi has some sort of hearing loss as – uh, it's. I think you can probably tell where they went to school based on the conversation with them. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what you say? yeah. Uh, and it's just more cowbell. And uh, if you guys want to see more of our content, you guys can head over to our Facebook page where we do our live shows. You guys can go check out our previous live shows and uh, shoot us a comment over there. Let you know how you let us know how you liked it. Uh, and that is CFB Coast to Coast. And you guys can follow all of our updates and everything going on with the network of old city sports. Uh, that is the emblem up in the top corner for y- y'all that are uh, watching the live stream today. Uh, that is over on our Twitter at CFB underscore coast to coast. That is CFB underscore coast, the number two coast. Uh, let us guys know what you think. And uh, we will see you guys again for week nine in a crazy one and hopefully uh, maybe some more upsets this week. Uh, So we will see you guys then.
It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.